0: Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com With all loneliness and gentleness with long-suffering bearing with one another in love endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word here for calling that Paul uses to this church in Ephesians is the word klesis. It means a calling unto salvation. I want you to make a mental note about that. He sees them, he urges them, he looks them in the eye. He comes in front of you this morning and He looks you in the eye as He spoke to those church through this letter. And the Spirit of God comes to you and He says, I urge you for one thing this morning and that is to, to walk worthy of that calling. Now this calling, Klesis, a, is a calling unto salvation. Now I like to ask questions. I want to ask you this morning, are you walking worthy of salvation this morning? Are you truly walking worthy of salvation? I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to you. I want you to turn over now to the book of Philippians. It's just the next book, a couple of pages over. Philippians chapter 1 and I want to read from verse 27 again Paul writes here now to the church in Philippi he says in verse 27 he says only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that wherever i come and see you and i'm absent i'm a year of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one might, striving together for the faith of the gospel the word that he uses here for the word conduct is more than just actions the meaning of that word here for conduct means to be like a citizen of a country And here he uses that word citizen in connection with what? He says it right there. He uses it in connection with the word gospel. In other words, he wants to say to you and to me that you are a citizen of the gospel. A citizen of the gospel. And with that comes all the laws that comes within the word, all the laws that comes in the gospel. And he asks you this morning, Are you walking worthy? Are you a citizen of the gospel of Christ? You see, he started off saying, "Are you walking worthy of salvation?" And now he takes it a bit further. he says, "Are you a citizen of the gospel? Let I say to you, I'm not interested in any other citizenship than the citizenship of heaven." And I've been I mean, I'm a South African-born Kiwi' who's now living in Australia. I've experienced a few citizenships, but the most important one this morning is to be a citizen of the gospel. Do you know what the gospel is? Paul asked this church, as he asked you and me this morning, he says, are you walking worthy? Are you walking worthy as a citizen of the gospel? Let's turn over now to Colossians. Chapter 1, just one in my Bible, one page over. And I want you now to look in verse 9. Paul now writes to the church in Colossae. And he says to them in there, verse 9, he says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and in spiritual understanding that you may walk, that you may walk, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, fruitful in every good work and in... Increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. You see, if you want to be a citizen of a country, there is some knowledge that you need to start getting about that country. If I apply for citizenship in Australia, I need to write a test. I need to know something about that. The same thing happens with the gospel. There's certain things that you need to start learning. When you get saved, it's not, I'm saved today, I've got a date, I've got my little certificate and I'm saved and it's all good. No, no. There's a responsibility and Paul comes to this church and he says to them, I pray that you increase. In what? The knowledge of his will. And in wisdom. Wisdom is applying that knowledge. That's what wisdom means. If you've got the knowledge, how do I apply that? And then he also says there, which is so beautiful, in spiritual understanding. This is not a head knowledge thing, it's a spiritual understanding. This is why Paul, in another passage, right to the church in Corinth, he says that the natural man will not and cannot understand the spiritual things. He just cannot, Pastor Werner. He just cannot. Are you this morning growing in the knowledge of his will? Are you this morning walking in wisdom? And do you have the spiritual understanding? And then the question comes to do what, preacher? Paul answers that. He says it to us so clearly. He says there, he says in verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. May I ask you a question again? Are you walking worthy of the Lord? Are you walking this morning worthy of salvation? Are you walking this morning worthy as the citizen of the gospel? Are you this morning walking worthy of the Lord? But I've got more. Well, the Word of God's got more. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's turn over. 1 Thessalonian, Thessalonians. Paul again right now to another church, which he could have might as well written to uh, Kingsway in turner. Isn't that right? He's writing it to you and me. And now we read in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 1. Finally then. I like it when Paul uses the word finally, don't you? You need to go and read what's in front of finally to understand what he finally means so that you can finally understand what he's finally going to say. Don't ask me to repeat that, but I'll just mention that. He says, finally then, brethren, we urge you. Can you see, can you feel this morning the urging of this man of God? He says, I urge you and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there's a notion in some people's minds when they come to Christ and they call themselves a Christian, is that I've made it, I've got a certificate, look, I've got the degree, I've got everything, I'm a child of God, and you put the certificate on the wall, and everybody who walks in see the certificate, but Paul says it ain't working like that. He uses these words here, he uses the words abound more and more, do you see that? In what do we need to abound more and more Paul in the knowledge of his will in wisdom and in spiritual understanding you see we get a challenge from the Lord this morning this is why I'm asking you these questions what the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is asking you are you walking worthy are you walking worthy of those things I don't want to hear how many spiritual sermons you've heard, how many books you've read. I don't want to know how many courses you've completed. Honestly, I'm not interested in how many church services you attend, although it's really good because the Bible says we need to come to church. I don't want to know how many Bible studies you attend this morning. I'm asking you, I'm asking you, are you walking worthy, worthy of the Lord and pleasing Him? I look upon the world, we want to please so many other things in the world, and people will spend their entire lives, they will spend their entire money to please things that is just vanity, vanity, vanity this morning, but when we come to the gospel, the one thing which will stand the test of time, because there's no time upon it, people will not, will not come to this question and be serious. Because preacher, I'm still young and there's still lots of things to do. Let's turn to our passage this morning. That was only the introduction. Let's now go to 1 Timothy. You're saying, but wait a minute preacher, now you're going to preach about a pastor. This is for the pastors in the church. This is for Pastor Werner, for Pastor Gary, and it's for the leadership. Because he's now writing to Timothy here. You know, he's imparting some knowledge into Timothy, this young pastor. But let me just remind you what 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says. He says, for all scripture is profitable. Yes? For what? For instruction, reproof. So that what? So that the man of God may be pleasing to God. I misquoted that scripture verse there, Brother Gary, Pastor Gary. But I think you can go and see and read it up. This is for you and for me now. Let's read through this. And I'm going to read from verse 1. And I'm going to re- read the whole chapter there. He says there in verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly say that in latter times some will, will depart from the faith. Who believes that we are living in the latter times? Can I see your hand? If you, if you don't put up your hand, you are just but deceived. But we can talk about that afterwards. He says, Now the Spirit expressly say that in the latter times some will deceive or depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience sheared with an, a, a hot iron, Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which the God created and received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. Now verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine which you have carefully followed but reject profane and 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 old fables wives fables and ex- exercise yourself toward godliness for bodily exercise profits little but godliness is a profitable for all things having promise uh, having promise of life that now is and that which is to come this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come. Give attention to reading, exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress might be evident to all. Take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Now I've had a very interesting leeway into this passage. I took you to Ephesians. I spoke about walking worthy of the calling to being a citizen of the gospel, to grow in knowledge and wisdom and spiritual understanding and to abound more and more. And now I want to talk to you about the theme, which I believe the Lord wants to speak to this church today. And we find that in verse 12. I want you to focus on that verse. He says there, be an example. Be an example. That's the theme. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, be an example. Come on. Be an example. Now, what, is it, what, what do we need to be an example for? Look at verse 12. He says, let no one despise you, youth, but be an example to the believers. Be an example. I said it to our church last week, the moment that you become a child of God, the world and people in the church will bring out a big round glass like that. I used to use this, Pastor Vernon, when I was a young boy in the backyard. You, you bring the sun at an angle. And, and then you focus it on the on leaves or on something. I got, I got a good hiding out of that as well because I nearly started a fire in the backyard. But, but you know what I'm talking about. It's a magnifying glass. And you know what happens the moment that you step out in your workplace, the moment that you step out to try to walk worthy, To to walk worthy of Christ and all of these things, the world's magnifying glass is going to be on you and it will burn upon you like the sun through that glass to see how your conduct is. The world's looking. Not only the world, the children of God's looking in the church not only the children of God's looking, but the angels are also looking. Did you know that? The angels are looking upon your life. They all are eavesdropping on you. They're seeing what you're doing. But not only that, the omnipresent God is looking. He's looking upon you. And this morning I come to you and ask you to be an example Be an example in what? He says it there in verse 12. He says, be an example in the word. The word there comes from the word logos. It means the written word. Jesus uses another word in in, uh, John chapter 17. He uses the word rhema, which means the spoken word. But my friend, you and I encapsulate both those when we start living in the word, because we read the word, the logos, the written word, it goes inside of us. And guess what's going to come out of your mouth? The word. You're going to put, what I'm doing this morning is I'm, I'm doing Rima. I'm putting life to the written word, to the logos. I'm preaching it. I'm making it alive. You wouldn't have heard these words if, if I haven't put voice and breath to them. So he says you need to be an example in what you speak. The Bible says that Jesus said to to them, when I talk about food that can defile a man, what did he say? He said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what defiles him. Come on. That which comes out of man comes in. Where does it come from? It comes from this place, from the heart. And whatever you put in these ears and put in these eyes goes into the heart. And you know what they say, garbage in? Come on. Come on, we're not a dead church here. Come on, praise the Lord. Garbage in? garbage out. Good in? Good out. out. Logos in? Rima out. I got you there. (laughs) No, Logos comes out. The Word of God comes out. And He says, you and I need to be an example in the Word. But not only that. He continues. There's six things there. He says there, in conduct. You see the word conduct there? It means your behavior, your lifestyle. You know, if you can sit here this morning and you can smile and everybody can say, he's a great brother of God. She's a great sister. But let me come with you to your workplace. Let me come to your home right after church. Right now. Let's get in your car. I remember, you know, we were preaching one time and and, and the husband invited us. And as we were walking to the car, the wife whispered in his ear so that I could hear. I heard it. She said, I'll have to go ahead so that I can clean the place up. (laughs) Stall him. But this is conduct, it's not, you know, clean house, that's not what it is, it's your lifestyle, how you live, how you conduct yourself, and then he says further on, he says in love, this is agape love, it's a sacrificial love, and then he says in spirit, what does in spirit mean? It's not the Holy Spirit, it's a small letter spirit here, it is your spirit, it means do you walk around in life with an attitude? Are you an example to the believers in your attitude? And then he continues on to say, in faith, how are you operating in faith when times get tough? I mean, I spoke to Pastor Gary this morning and all know what's happened in your life. But what the believers will look upon your family now is the faith of God and how you go through this in the faith of God, Pastor. This is what will build the people. Yes? This is what you are an example in. And then he continues on to say, He says, an example in purity. Are you living a pure life? And I'm not talking about five little rules that you write down and you tick them every morning. That's not what I'm talking about. Because God needs to come and He needs to clean you out from the inside and make you pure here. Then you will live a pure life. Not a little piece that you tick off. Holiness, Peter says. I'm preaching down in Caram in, in Downs on this currently. He says, be holy for I am holy. Pureness is important. Are you an example to the believers in purity? I've got so much, but I need to hurry on. Because I want to bring your attention down now to the, to the last verse there. Because the question is now, how, preacher? How am I an example of this? Where do I start? Well, first of all, you start at the cross of Christ. We know that. Because He will help you. His Spirit is here. He's the parakletos. Parakletos comes from two words. Para means to come alongside you. And kletos is to to call you and to strengthen you. That is what it means. It means the Holy Spirit has come and helped you with these things. You're not alone. It's only the world that's alone. But you as a child of God are not alone. You've got help. You've got help. Now look at verse 16. He says, take heed of yourself and to the doctrine. Everybody say, take heed. He says, take heed of yourself, young Timothy. I believe the Holy Spirit is here this morning and He's looking at you. And He's looking at me. Because the preacher is not over and above all, is it, Pastor Werner? When we preach the word, it cuts back to us as well. And he says this morning, he says, John Shipman, take heed of yourself and, and what? The doctrine. Doctrine is a code of belief. It's a teaching. And again, it's what you teach, what's inside, what comes out. He says, take heed of that. Take heed means that you actively have to look at your life. That's what it means. So you need to be an example. You need to walk worthy of all these things which I've mentioned before. But how do you do it? By starting taking heat of yourself. I don't want to hear what the other brothers and sisters are doing. Oh, look at that brother. God is blessing him. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for that. But now that you mention it, brother, but now that you mention it, sister, how is your life? How are you doing? You see, the world is, is telling us to focus outside and look at the world. And that's one of the biggest problems these days is we compare ourselves with other people. That's what we do. We look at people and we want to be like them. And then we start working hard to be like them. And that takes the focus of you because you look at them. That's the standard. This morning he comes to you and me and he says you don't have to look at other people. Just look at the sun. Not the sun in the sky, the Son of God. Just look at Him. Just look at Him. So he says, take heed. Now, he spoke to Timothy about his private life, and he mentions to him that his private life is going to impact his public life. His public life. And this is what I said, you know, what's inside of a man is what is happening at the private life? How's your prayer life? How does God speak to you? And that's going to influence your, your outside life. Now, how do you take heed of yourself? Let me give you a few things and we'll pray and we'll go and have a lovely food. Look at verse 6. How do you take heed of yourself? Verse 6 says, There, he says, You will be a good minister of Jesus Christ nourished in the words of faith and in good doctrine." nourished in the words of faith. The word nourishment is really interesting that he uses here because he normally used the word nourishing when uh, Sister Ella is doing a good meal and you get nourished by food that you eat. What does it do? It nourishes your body, isn't it? It brings it in and you feel good after that. He uses that same word. that He says that you need to nourish yourself with the words of faith. What is the words of faith? It's right here, the words of God. Nourish yourself nourish yourself. Spend time in it. I don't know how many sermons I've preached in my life. I don't know how many sermons I've heard Pastor Werner preaching, Pastor Gary preaching, uh, Brother Colin preaching about this. But I hear in this church we preach the Word of God. And you know what? We need to get nourished with the Word of God. Now there is a big problem I see happening in our day and age. Some people just come here for nourishment. And you will get nourishment here. I listen online. I hear the sermons preached here. They are biblical. They are are strong. They are powerful. But this is not the only place where you get nourished. It's when you, you close yourself in your inner closet. I don't mean that you have to go and get into a cupboard and close the doors. It's in your room, okay? In a place where you can be alone with God and the Bible and a book, and a pen, your journal, whatever it is, and you spend some quality time with God, and you open up the Bible, and you start reading through the Bible, one passage upon another passage, and I will tell you something, young man, young woman, I don't care your age, but I will tell you something. I can tell it because I know it. He will speak to you through those scriptures. They will come to you and they will address. I, I'm telling you today one thing. Three weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was, in, I was praying. And I had a personal question. I've got friends in this world, but I couldn't call any one of them. I had to speak to the creator of this universe. And I wrote it down in my journal. I wrote the question down to God. I wrote it right there. And after I've given it to the Lord in prayer, I said, Father, I give it into your hands now because I want to spend at least another hour with you. I don't want to be consumed by that. And sit here and and top over it for another hour and lose precious time with you. So I've written it down and I I started reading my passage, my reading for the morning. And in my Bible, there is uh, cross-references, Pastor Werner. And just one thing stood out for me, and I look at the cross-reference because I wanted to follow that. And I followed the cross-reference into another New Testament passage. And then I read through there, and there's another word that jumped out at me, and I looked for the cross-reference, and it went back into Isaiah, the Old Testament. And within a half an hour, the words that the Lord gave me in the Word of God was word for word the answer to my question. I'm not asking you this morning if God is alive or if He works or if He speaks. I am telling you. I'm telling you. Nourish yourself in the words of faith. You see, the backdrop of all of this, the backdrop is there in verse 1. We are living in the end times, in the latter times. There is deceiving spirits. There is teachings of doctrines. Do we see this, Pastor Gary? We see this all over these days, don't we? That's the backdrop of being an example. And if you're not going to be nourished in the Word of God... How are you going to determine deceivement? How? But we need to nourish ourselves. This is how you take heed of yourself. Now, how do you take heed of yourself as well? Let's continue on. Look at verse 17. Uh, Verse 7, beg your pardon. He says, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards what? Godliness. The word there means to be God-like. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to become small messiahs. He doesn't say that. No, he means that you and I need to be God-like. Remember that we need to walk worthy of that. That's what we started saying. And he says now something interesting here. He says, exercise yourself toward godliness. The word exercise means you come from a, a weak position. A weak position. Believe it or not, but I'm still in the gym. Okay, and I'm still doing some workout. But you know what happens? From time to time I get lazy, Pastor Werner, and I miss a few weeks, and a few weeks becomes a few months. And they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. And the muscles get, you know, a little bit puffy. They're not hard anymore from exercise, and I go back. And what happens? I come from a weak position into that, and I started exercising, and you get better at it. And you get, he says, he uses that same concept here. He says, exercise yourself towards godliness. Godliness is synonymous with holiness. Yes? Because Peter says, be holy for I am holy. And when I turn to the Old Testament and I go into the book of Isaiah... I find this man of God in in chapter 6 and he's in the temple and the train of God fills the temple. The train is the authority. The train of God is the authority that comes into the temple. We find this when Saul and David is in a cave. What did Saul, what did David do? He went down and he cut off what? A part of the authority of, of Saul. That's what he did that day. He could have killed him, but he cut off a part of that. What did it mean? It means that he lost some authority. God took the authority away. Here in Isaiah, the man of God is in the temple and that's the train of God filled the temple and authority comes into the temple and what does he say? He say, "Woe me, woe me! For I'm living in in a, in a land of unclean lips, and I'm unclean." But these angels that he saw, and what did they say? "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty." In the book of Revelation, the same thing happens to John. He sees there in chapter four. He's been invited up into heaven through a door, and what does he see? He sees God on the throne, and what does he say, brother Eddie? "Holy." Holy, holy. The word holiness there means to be pure. Pure. 100% pure. And God is pure. It means moral. God is a moral God. He's one. There's no shadow in Him. But another meaning of the word means He's separated. The root word there means to be cut off. God is cut off from sin. He cannot sin. And when He talks about exercise yourselves into holiness... That's what is in mind here, being cut off from sin. How do you take heed of yourself? You do exactly what he says to exercise yourself. I hurry to verse 10. How do you take heed of yourself? Verse 10 says, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. You put your trust absolutely in the living God. Now if you put your trust in Him, it comes with faith, and if you've started having belief in God and you put it in Him, then you only talk to him about it, because he's the only one. He's the only one. Look at verse 14. I love this one. He says, in verse 14, "Do not neglect the gift that is in you, the gift that is in you." And I know, I've studied and I've preached through this passage, and I know he speaks to Timothy. And I know it's by the laying on of hands, and I know it's, it's different gifts because the Bible talks about them. But everybody who sits here and can hear my voice today has received one gift from God, and that's the gift of salvation. Start there. Start right there, and do not neglect that gift. Then there's something else that came, what is that? Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, I will pray for you and ask God to send you a what? Another helper. Thus he spoke of whom? The Holy Spirit, who will be in you and with you forever. Jesus says to the lady at the well in John chapter four, he says, if you knew the gift of God, if you only knew that, what would have happened? You wouldn't have asked me, you would have asked me the living water. What is the living water? In John chapter 7, He stands there on the steps when, when the priest is over here doing their rituals. You know, this is what religion is, the rituals. They had, a, they had two priests standing there and one at the pitcher there and they were throwing out as if there's water coming out, referring to the Old Testament, the water that came out of the rock. Jesus was standing right over there. And what did He say? He said, if anyone is thirsty, come unto Me and what will happen? What is it, my sister? Streams. Of living water will gush from the inside out. Do not neglect the gift, the gift that's upon you. How do you take it of yourself? You do not neglect the gift of God. Let me give you one more. <clears throat> and I love this one of his fifteen. He says, Meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. And then he says, Give yourselves entirely over to them. You see, when I started and I prayed, I you know, when I received the invitation from Brother Colum, I started praying and said, Lord, I want to preach to this church, but I know this church. This is where I came from. You know, nearly ten years ago I met Pastor Vinity and this is a stable church. There's some of your faces which I've seen all these years, they're still here. Stable church, Pastor Werner. Very stable. You've got a stable leadership. That's true. You've got Pastor Werner who stands on the It's a stable in the Word of God. You've got Pastor Gary who preaches the Word of God. I listen. I listen. I do go on and on, and I listen to the sermons, uh, Brother Column. Stable. I said, Lord, what shall I preach to these people? What shall I preach to this church? I was praying as soon as I got the invitation. And there were a few ideas, but it still came back be an example. You know, this is stable, but there's one thing that overwrites all of what I just said to you, and that is that the Word of God is being preached from this pulpit. Am I right? I'm not going to ask Pastor Werner. I'm not going to ask Pastor Gary. I'm not going to ask Brother Colum. I want to ask the people, is this right? Is the Word of God being preached from this pulpit? Come on, I think you can give an answer. Can you shake your head? Can you show me somehow? Is the Word of God being preached from this pulpit? Is it? Now, I'll tell you one thing, that a man and a woman of God who gives themselves entirely over to God will do what God wants them to do, and that is to preach the Word of God in spirit and truth. I mean, Pastor Werner, it's a man from Germany, and with respect, I may say, Pastor Werner's small in stature. You know, when he stands here, and he preaches. I mean, I'm a little bit taller than Pastor Werner. That's what I say. That's the only reason why I say that. But brother and sister, don't be deceived, because behind him, behind him stands a God who will look upon his servant who gives himself entirely over to the Word. And what will happen? He sees it right there. So that it might be evident to them, to all, the growth of this man or woman. Am I right? I've heard this pastor preaching. doesn't matter. Let me just say, (laughs) the Apostle Paul was also a small man. You know why they gave him his name Saul? Because he came from the tribe of Benjamin. Very high regarded tribe. And his parents gave him that name. Maybe, most probably, we can't say that, the scholars can't, but most probably because he was named after Saul, the king of the Old Testament, the first king that God God selected. And what happens to this man? He comes, Saul of Tarsus, small in stature but big in himself. Yeah? And then he met the Lord of Lords on the road of Damascus. And what happens? The Lord changes his name to Paul. What does Paul mean? Little. Little. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, at work, they call me Johnny. Some even Johnny Boy, i say it's fine. And I came to understand because somebody said to me, that's disrespectful. But somehow people do that. If you're a big dude, they will call you in the little names. Isn't it right? You know, Johnny. <laughs> to bring you down a little you. And I say thank you, Lord, because even if they do mean it to be harmful, I say thank you, Lord, because you know what? In the book of John, he says, I must decrease and he must increase. That's just a reminder. Every single time when they call me Johnny, I go, Thank you, Lord. I need to be smaller myself. I, I want to finish, but I want to end with this. Give yourself entirely to the Word of God. Give yourself entirely to your salvation. Give yourself entirely to the Gospel. Give yourself entirely to growing the knowledge of His will. Give yourself entirely. If you don't have wisdom, if you say, Listen, preacher, every time when I walked in school, my teacher came up to him and said, No, you haven't got any wisdom. You're dumb. Go and stand over there. Don't matter what they said, but you come today to God, and you say, Lord, I will give myself entirely, entirely to, to wisdom. Give yourself entirely to spiritual understanding. And what will happen? He says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. That your progress might be evident to all. Now we're not. I'm not trying to say to you that you you need to do this because you want to progress so that everybody can see this. You know what I'm meaning. It's not that you're so full of yourself and that you want to be the number one or the big guy and everybody got to see how I grow my... No, no. You give this to the Lord. You give it to Him in your secret place and what will happen? He will make it evident. He will. He says, continue to do this. Abound more and more. Be an example, brothers and sisters. When the Lord laid this message upon my heart, I said to him, truly, and he knows, I said, Father, I can't preach this message if I, myself, can't be an example. This is how serious you need to take this word. He said, but I, you know, I'm living in a small, you know, it's only me, you know, it's only, only my small environment. I, I, you know, I only speak to one or two people during the week, and these people are Christians. Be an example to them because they're going to go through difficult times. Some you may or may not know of, but just be an example. Heavenly Father, Father, I pray that your Spirit work in people's hearts right now. This this morning is a calling, Lord. It's not just a message. And Father, if there's people who came here just to listen to the message, I pray, Lord, that you will deal with them through your Holy Spirit. This is a calling. So many times we've heard the words of Paul saying, I urge you, I urge you, I beg of you. Lord, we're going through difficult times in the world. It's the latter times, it's the end times. We see the discernment in the world, it's dark. And I don't know, Lord, when when I prayed about this message, I don't know, Lord, why you chose this message, Father. But I pray, Lord, that you will write this on the tablets of your hearts, Lord. A week from now, two weeks from now, a month from now, to recall it back. So that we can be an example. Not only to the believers, but also to the world. Father, help us. Because I know, Father, myself, if I'm going to go out of this place and try hard to do, I'm going to fail because I try on my own strength. But if you help us through your Holy Spirit, Lord, Father, I believe we we will be victorious. Father, I want to walk worthy of all the things I've heard this morning. And I'm going to need your help, Lord. Father, I pray that you go with every person here who's heard this message today. And Father, there, where the words, or in my eyes, or somebody else's eyes couldn't reach, but your Holy Spirit can reach, I pray that there, right at that place, that your light will shine, Lord. Father, and if there's any person in this place who's not saved, who's got a form of godliness, but not saved, Father, only they and your Spirit will know right now. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't make mistakes. And Father, if there is this morning a calling on somebody's heart in this place, who do not know you, they might have said they're Christian, they might have sat here for week after week, but inside they still know, I just pray, Lord, have mercy upon them. Have pity, Lord. And Father, let your spirit cut through their hearts. Like I said, the word cut through and he's the discerner of the heart. Father, I thank you for this opportunity and this privilege. And Father, I just want to say, Lord, if I at any stage, Lord, said anything, Father, out of myself, Lord, or try to take the glory, Lord, I repent of that. And I pray that your glory fill the house. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you.